Welcome to worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on May 30th, 2021. Pastor Rem Dias brings a gospel message in a series called Own the Vision, examining the mission statement of Grace Lakin, Lakin, Kansas. The first part in the series titled Gospel Boldness examines the first part of the mission statement for Grace Lakin. By grace, we are rooted in the gospel.
morning. Before we get to the renewal, uh, I just want to say thank you. Um, it has been, uh, it's really difficult when you leave a place for 11 years. Um, and then, but it's been overwhelming uh, just to see how fastly I think we're becoming family. <laughs> really, I mean, um, I mean, just what we've done on the house already and just going over people's houses, it's just thank you for making it easier. And I, and I really believe God's going to keep it going easier. Before I get again to the renewal, I felt like one of, last night I was like, one of the first scriptures I want to read to this congregation and just really focus in on is 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through um, 5. So you don't have to turn there. Just, just hear this word. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, and when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You can open up the newspaper and see what's going on in LinkedIn. You can, you can turn on the TV and see what's going on in the world. Okay, you, you can get input from all kinds of different places. But when you come in here, I just want to say for the first day, you know, we I hope we hear these pages roughly, these pages turning, because Paul's saying, I didn't come just for for you to hear me. And that's true. I'm not here for to you're not here just to hear Rem's opinion. But I'm here to hold the word of God up. We are people of the word. And that's what he has said. And then he says, I, um, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstrating of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I come in weakness and in trembling. And let that lead us to the renewal. That you understand that the guy up here needs the renewal all the more. We need Christ's righteousness. So whatever you've been in this week, yeah, it's been a crazy week for all of us. Wherever you've been, whatever you're bringing in this morning, the good news is, is we can come and say, Lord, we need your grace. We need your grace. And his grace is sufficient. So let's read Renew the renewal. I pray to the Lord my God and make confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. It's the Lord's, guys. It's the Lord's righteousness. But to us, Open shame. Because we have sinned against you and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws that he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Let's just take the time now and lay before our burdens and our sins before the Lord and let him silence. Father God, we come to you and whatever we just gave up before you right now in, in our hearts, whatever, help us to leave it there. Your grace is sufficient for our weakness. Lord, you're rich in mercy. Lord, thank you for the power of the cross. But the, the tomb is indeed. And Jesus, we rest in your 
forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, people of God, hear the good news of the assurance of our pardon coming from Isaiah 118, which says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall become white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Amen. Now, if you would stand as we continue in the song. Right? I mean, 
it's funny when you get elders together in sessions together, sometimes we, we talk about things, but are we talking about the vision? And so uh, we're going to break down um, our, our vision statement and uh, we're just going to, we're going we're gonna to examine it a little bit, but we're going to look at the first uh, spot of our, our mission statement, by grace rooted in the gospel. Let's say it together, by grace rooted in the gospel. All right, so um, if you have your Bible, and I sure hope you do, if you don't, there's a black one right in front of you, um, I would say take it, but you can't take it home with you if you don't have a Bible, because this is the Lutheran Church, and it's not our Bibles. But if you don't have a Bible, let me know. Let me know if you don't have your own Bible, and when you can get your Bible. Oh, maybe it's not the black one. Maybe, maybe there's not a Bible in there. Okay, uh, Acts chapter 4, um, verse 23. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 30. One is where we're going to be camped out uh, this morning. So give me a turn there and hear the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the ESV. Hang on. Here we go. And when they were released, that's Peter and John. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth. The sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant said, by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? And, uh, and the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against you, your holy servants, Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon the threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed to the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place and when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. I'm titling this message "Gospel Boldness." Let's pray, Father. Thank you for your word that's alive and active. This is your breath on the page. Lord, sometimes I, it, I'm, I'm like Paul in that first Corinthians passage. I'm weak and in need. I need your spirit. And I pray I would not show them anything that's not here. Lord, I don't come and with lofty speech, but I need the power of God. And we need your Holy Spirit to help us see. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I, I read a story of R.C. Sproul's uh, when he was in college. He watched this, the Jack Parr show, and all the, he got all of his college roommates together to watch the Jack Parr show. Does anybody know what the Jack Parr show is? Okay, I didn't. I, okay, some nods. I, I, not, not, I didn't. Um, but it was a huge. It was a huge Jack Parr show because they were hosting Billy Graham. And so everyone was together watching the show, and they were anticipating Jack Parr, because Jack, it's Jack Parr, like the secular guy, it's like Billy Graham, like, close to Jesus. I mean, it's like, whoa, whoa what's going to happen on the Jack Parr show? And so uh, Jack, Parr, Jack Parr, in his intimidable fashion, wanted to speak frivolously uh, against Billy Graham. He says, hey, Billy, are you, are you here tonight to try to save my soul, to try to get me to, to repent? And Billy said, uh, you well, Jack? Have you thought about repenting? Uh, and, and yeah, uh, Jack, I am concerned for your soul. Because without, the, without faith in Jesus, Jack, you're going to perish. He says this while millions of people are, are, are watching this. And, and Billy doesn't speak uh, like he's, he's not intimidating. He's not trying to beat Jack over the head with the Bible. But in that moment, he spoke the truth with boldness, kindness, and humility. 
But he wasn't going to be intimidated to not speak the name of Jesus. And as I was thinking about that phrase for us, rooted in the gospel, and I was thinking about this passage and thinking about this, I think the temptation for the American church, at least for me sometimes, is we can, uh, uh, we can get less and less and less bold with the gospel. We can get less and less bold of sharing the gospel. Um, or more bluntly put, R.C. Sproul says it like this. It says, when the book of Revelation and, 20, uh, and chapter 21, verse 8, said, speaks of the final judgment, it mentions those who should be thrown into the lake of fire. And the first category, the first two people, it says, there will be murderers and there will be adulterers. So it's like, oh gosh, like that's intense. But then the next one you wouldn't think would be there. And it says the cowards. The cowards. And R.C. Sproul goes on to say, he says, if anything marks the church at the beginning of the 21st century, it is cowardliness. If anything describes the difference between us and the first century church, it is our lack of boldness. See, the context of Acts, this, this passage, Acts 4, I think gives us a good insight to where uh, and why this cowardliness sometimes can slip into the church. So let's back up for a sec. So Acts, the Spirit comes upon the believers like, who loves the book of Acts? Like, seriously, like, how do you read that and get bored? Like, the Spirit comes on the believers and the church is birthed and like, man, it, it, it's filling in. People are being healed, saved. Thousands of people are being saved. And then Acts 4 happens. And what happens in Acts 4? Peter and John are arrested and they are threatened. And I love verse 19 and 20 of, of, of Acts 4. It says, you know, they're, they're threatened. And Peter and John are like, we can't help but speak about Jesus. It's like, we can't help talk about Jesus. Like, we have to talk about Jesus. And so they're threatened even more. And then they're sent on their way. So persecution, this is important, persecution has begun. See, often in Christian circles, I think what we do, guys, is we, we, uh, we say we want people to, yeah, put faith in Jesus. We have that good starting spot, put faith in Jesus, and then go to heaven. But often, if we're not careful, we skip over this middle part of the Christian walk. And Jesus says this middle part is hard. It's hard. Matter of fact, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, All who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. Not maybe, but will. And, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but when I talk about persecution, I get, I get feeling all guilty. Because it's like, oh my goodness, have you seen the kitchen? That you got to like, it's like comfortable. We, we're not getting, you know, we can meet openly here. We don't have to worry about people coming in and arresting us, which is a reality, folks, for a lot of people. But we don't have to worry about that. But Jesus, though, speaks of two kinds of different kinds of persecution. In Matthew 5, 11, he says, Blessed are you when others revile you. Revile, that's a word no one really uses much. But it's a Greek word that literally means to speak harshly against. To speak harshly against. So anything like this. Christians are idiots. Christians believe that God made the world. Christians are anti-science. Christians are bigots. Christians hate women. Christians hate sex. Christians hate homosexuals. Christians support slavery. Christians don't really love the rest of the people in the culture. They're intolerant, they're discriminatory, they're narrow-minded, and they're a problem. And I don't know about you, maybe, I, maybe I'm the only one, but I feel like, I, I, maybe you've heard that from a friend. I know I've heard that from, um, from people that I've been around and TV, and, and I mean, Christianity is not as popular as it used to be. And another author says that there's two different kinds of persecution. There's over-persecution where they're going to throw you to the lions. Okay? And then there's covert persecution where they're going to throw you to the critics. 
There's overt persecution where you die for Christ, and then there's covert persecution where you live for Christ. But both types of persecution, overt and covert, both types of persecution have one aim and one goal in mind, and that's don't talk about Jesus. They will kill you or they will shame you. But both of them are saying, stop talking about Jesus. And this is the context of Acts chapter 4, 23-31. And I am just going to say from the start for us too, I, we're in this covert persecution. And as a church that's trying to be rooted in the gospel, we need this passage because I'm telling you, it, when we start walking in the Spirit, and when we start being bold with the gospel, the enemy does not like that. The enemy is going to want to come against us. We are probably going to get some reviling going on, and how are we going to respond? And that's what this passage is all about. So we're going to look at this passage verse by verse, and my goal this morning is to show you how these believers responded to this opposition, and their response is going to give us four insights of how we can be rooted in the gospel, how we can be bold with the gospel. All right? Because I hope you, did, I hope you know, you didn't get the pastor to come here to grow the church. You guys are the church. Amen? All right. Just make sure we're on the same playing field here, okay? I might be up on this whole thing, but you guys are going to All right, here we go. First thing we see, and I see this in verse uh, 23. I, I printed out lines, but again, and they're in my, my book bag. So, whatever. Okay. Verse 23, they had real gospel-centered community. They had real gospel-centered community. I love this. Look where the first place they go. They run right back. So they get threatened, and they go right back to their friends. The Greek word is literally their own. So this is not the huge mega gathering. This isn't like the big gathering. This is their close, tight-knit body of believers who they, they knew each other's life. This is kind of going to probably sound a little bit elementary. And we're going to get into this next week. But community is so essential. Guys, we don't follow Jesus in isolation. We need deep community. And when I say deep community, and we're going to get this next week, people who know your life. Because the, the thing is, you have blind spots, believe it or not. I've got blind spots, believe it or not. And so, I mean, one of the things we'll even know for, and I, we need to, my prayer is that we start seeing here is deep-rooted small groups. Because I, back in Hillsboro, when I would get with my, my small group, I had a guy in my small group named Brian Lee. Uh, it says, stands by uh, son-in-law. He is loves Jesus, but he's completely different than me. And we'd be in small group, and he would say something that would rub me weird, and I would, and, and, and I would say something that would rub him a little weird, uh, but because he would get in my face. He would get in my face. He'd be like, Brad, what are you doing, man? I'm like, oh, shoot. I didn't see that character falling. You need community. And get this. Peter and John had this deep-rooted community before the suffering and the trial hit. See, most of us, what we want to do, if we're not careful, is we run to, we need this type of deep community after the suffering and the trial. But they they had it already. I love what uh, James 5.16 says. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another, one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. As I'm telling you, there's something when we get together as believers. And even the pastor is just like, I'm a little bit. Like, I, I'm just going to be honest with everyone today. I, I blew it in this area of my life. I'm telling you, some Christians, we will are saying, like, why? Jesus said, confess. Confess your sin and be healed. 
And I'm telling you, when we have this fight, what happens, and what happens is Peter and John, they knew they needed to go to community because you come out of that like, oh, I'm not the only one dealing with this. I'm not the only one dealing with the problem. And you leave those moments bold and encouraged because you're resting in grace and understanding, oh, yeah, everyone's got jacked up problems and we need Jesus. So that's the first thing I see there. You guys okay? Again, I haven't preached in a while. And, whew, hope I'm not scaring anybody. All right. Second thing we see, and we see this in verse 24 through 30, is their prayers weren't me-centered, but gospel-centered. Look at what Peter and John shared before, before they prayed. I love this. They share the report. They bring the bad news. They like, man, they, look at what happened. And then they start praying. And out of their prayer, listen, the first things out of their lips, they say, Oh, sovereign Lord. Now, I'm just going to be honest. And I want to ask you the same question. How would you have responded? <laughs> How would your prayer have started? If I'm honest, my prayer would have started like this. God, would you just smite them? Would you bring a rock down on these guys' heads? Like, they're, just, they're going against you, Jesus. Look at what happened. No. Or I might pray, like, oh, Lord, just protect us. So my goodness. That probably would have been some justifiable. But they start praying, oh, sovereign Lord. They have a gospel-centered, God-sized type of prayer. I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says, too often today, believers gather together for prayer as though attending a concert or a party. There is little sense of urgency and danger because most of us are comfortable in our Christian walk. If more of God's people were witnessing for Christ in daily life, there would be more urgency and blessing when the church meets for prayer. See, one, one uh, fear I had in pre preaching this text and coming to this point is because if you took a transcript of my prayers, how often, like seriously, how often are they more me centered? And I know we have the Lord's Prayer where it says, you know, it does pray for our daily bread. There is that. But how many times are we camped out of there? Lord, just help me, just just bless my family, um, you know, just keep us safe. Like, how often are, is the prayer just us instead of God helping people with the gospel? Lord, help my friend who doesn't know you come to know me. Lord, I am getting reviled and, and taught harshly on that school. Would you just empower me to keep speaking the word of boldness? See, prayer was... They, they, they didn't say, Lord, change our circumstances, but give us help in the midst of our circumstances. And I've heard it said that a prayerless life, a prayerless life is, is, is a sign that you're not walking, you're, we're not keeping in step with the Spirit. And so, if you have a prayerless life, stay with me for a second. My, like, we have the spiritual disciplines like prayer, fasting, reading scripture, and those things. And the disciplines are good. And they're right. And, and so if you have a prayerless life, don't rush out here. I just need to do me myself. I just need to work myself to pray more. I would encourage you, if it's a sign that maybe we're not walking in step with the Spirit, I would encourage you to stick it on your face again and say, God, would you just renew in me what you did in my heart? That there's nothing I could do to earn you. But you have forgiven me. You have redeemed me. Lord, would you blow my mind again of what Christ has done? It's an overflow of being centered in the gospel that leads to a prayerful life. But also, one big point, as we see here in, this, in these verses to take, that this, these believers that, sh that could help us change the, our prayer life is... From a, from a me center to a gospel-centered prayer life is that they were praying the Word. They were praying Scripture. Because that's what they prayed. They prayed that big one text is like, it sounds kind of foreign and it's indented in your Bible. That's Psalms 2. They're praying Psalms 2. 
And see, this book, this book is filled. Guys, this book is filled with attributes and promises of who God is. And his nature. And we hope, we, we don't want just our kids. Like, it's funny, what we do in kids' programs, we, we have our kids memorize scripture, but how often are we memorizing scripture? Because we need to, we need to be able to see God's already spoken. Like, here's the thing, God speaks and prayers is us responding. So if, if the word is far away from you in your prayer life, I'm going to encourage you to bring the word close because he's speaking. Um, I've heard it said that uh, Peyton Manning, you guys surely all know who Peyton Manning is. Okay, all right. Um, Peyton Manning spent more time in the film room than any, any NFL quarterback in history. Just studying and studying and studying other teams. Because in the heat of the moment, he, he, could, he could call an audible because he, he noticed, oh, that linebacker, he shipped down. I saw this guy do this. And in the heat of the moment, he knew what to call in that moment, in that, in that play, to change it up to, so that they could keep going. See, Peter and John, get this, Peter and John and these believers, they knew what song to turn to in the heat of the moment. They didn't hey, say, hey, let's get our concordance out and look and say, oh, what's going on? They, it was a natural reflex. So let's, again, uh, let's be a people that are, our prayer life is rooted in Scripture. Like when you're devotional and you're going through your devotion and, and you, you come to a verse that says, oh, would you mind? Pray it back to God. That's what the Psalms are all. Pray it back to God and say, God, thank you for that. And to make it real practical for you guys, there's a podcast by David Platt. It's called Praying the Word. And it's literally, he just he does this um, through his podcast. He gets his scripture, he, he goes through it, and then he just prays it. So if, if that's new to you. So that was another way that they developed boldness. They came from a, a me-centered prayer life to a gospel-centered prayer life. And then in verses 24 through 28, we see this. We see this third observation. Rest and trust in God's sovereign purpose. Rest and trust in God's sovereign purpose. That's another way we can develop boldness with the gospel. See, their prayer was actually a reflection on one of God's attributes. And that he is sovereign. Sovereign. I love what, what Kevin DeYoung says. He says, timid Christians have a tiny God. Bold Christians have a Big God. And I, I one, of, one of my weaknesses and failures as, as a believer is sometimes I've dealt with fear in my life. I, would do, I just get a little bit timid and a little fearful. But, and you know, perfect love casts out fear. And yes, love is great for dealing with fear. But one of the things that destroyed fear in my life was understanding God's sovereignty. How amazing and how big and how glorious He is. That word there in Greek is literally master or commander. He's literally ruler. And what a, what a total way to change your perspective to be resting on God's sovereignty and his power to develop boldness. Understanding this, that while God doesn't cause evil, but he might allow it, and he might allow it and with it. With the enemy thought that this thing was going to take you out, um, that God can actually upload a virus to and use to for your good and God's glory. That God can get glory. And see, also look at this. Psalm 2 is what they pray. And this added to the idea that God is sovereign because Psalms 2 describes the revolt against the nations. Against God and his anointed one. So you talk about a time, let, let me think about it. You talk about a time where, and when the disciples are like, oh my goodness, what is God doing? Like Jesus is literally dying on the cross, a horrible moment. But God, they understood God was sovereign all the way in that. So seriously, how much more boldness would you have if, if, if your perspective changed and understood that? Every moment in your life is not so 
random thing, but that God, it, it's happening under his sovereign plan. Again, he might necessarily like it or want it, but he can use anything. So that means you're going through the roughest time, you're going through the trial, you can trust that, oh my goodness, my dad, my father in heaven is in control. He's not up there being like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Uh, good luck. No, he's in the midst of it. So that's what they were praying. They were reflecting back on God's sovereignty. And then number four, another, the fourth way we develop boldness with the gospel, and I see this in verse 31, is frequent, they have frequent feelings of the Holy Spirit. They have frequent feelings of the Holy Spirit. See, look, when they prayed, the, the earthquake happened. And I was thinking about that as I was reading this text again. I was like, man, that would be a great first Sunday. <laughs> Lord, just shake the place or something. <laughs> it's okay, yeah, you want to. <laughs> but that would be great. <laughs> and, and, and that's what was happening. Um, earthquakes were a demonstration. I mean, you see this all throughout Exodus and different, of God's presence. So God's, I mean, the earthquake is a, is a sign of God's presence coming there. But then there's something tricky there in that verse. And it's they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And why that's tricky, if, if you're surveying Acts, is because you're like, hold it, wait a minute. I thought they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what happened at Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came. So, Rem, what is it? What is this strange feeling of the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking, because I'm going to help you um, answer that question. Um, because I think this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is, when I learned about it, I said, man, this, this, this helps me. Um, and the, what really, who really helped me was the Puritan Thomas Goodwin. Um, Thomas Goodwin tells this illustration to help understanding what the, the filling of the Holy Spirit's like. And I'm just going to plug in my kid just to help you. Um, so imagine that me and Ellie, okay, me and Ellie, are spending the day in the lake. All right? It's just me and Ellie. We're walking. It's a beautiful day. All right? We're walking to the coffee shop to buy our K-pop. You know? And, and I'm walking with her. And she's looking at me. Birds are chirping. Landing on my shoulder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and, and everything's going great. And I, and I look down at her. And I've been down. I'm like, Ellie, you're just the most adorable little girl. And I pick her up, kiss her, and throw her up in the air way high. And I catch her. And I just get her in here. Come here, my baby girl. And then I put her back down on the ground. And we keep walking. Now, here's a question. And Thomas Cooper would have asked it. Was she any more my daughter in the moment when I was throwing her up and kissing her and hugging her? And yeah. No. Not legally, not one bit. Like her birth certificate says, oh yeah, that's legally not one bit. But she felt, I guarantee you, she felt her daughtership. She felt dad's love, maybe more in that moment. And Christian, look at me. The moment you put faith in Christ, legally you were adopted. There was nothing you could do to earn it, deserve it. His grace encapsulated you. He adopted you and, and, and he loves you. There's nothing that's going to tear you from that moment. But when we get feelings of the Holy Spirit, they can come through a mission trip. They can come through just different rain times. You're alone with the word of God. You're more aware of your sonship or daughtership. I'm telling you, you come out of those moments bold. You come out of those moments like, man, Dad's on my side. My father is on my side. Bring it on. And so the Spirit, listen, the Spirit is a spot, like one of the roles of the Spirit is it's a spot, it, He's a spotlight. Tim Keller talks about it like this, you know, I don't know if this building is floodlit, but imagine that at night, there's floodlights all around and it's floodlighting the, the building. You don't walk by and be like, oh man, I tell you what, I love those floodlights. Those floodlights are just the most beautiful thing. I just love the floodlights. No, don't be silly, be weird. The floodlights are supposed to shine and show the architecture of the building and how amazing the building is. And guys, that's what the Spirit does in our life. It comes into us and reminds us and spotlights Jesus. 
We don't go around this around. Yeah, I'm filled with spirit. I've got experience. No, it's a miracle what Jesus has done. And you come down, again, you come down out of those moments. Boom. And I just ask this, guys, when's the last time? And I'm praying that we are a church this Lord just fill us with the Spirit. Lord, fill us up with the Spirit that you would remind us that we say rooted in the gospel. We can't do anything to deserve and earn you. Are you kidding me? We're not about works here. We're about grace. Lord, would you just remind us, would you fill us with the Spirit? Peter and John. Listen, Peter and John need to pray this. And the disciples need to pray. How much more do you take need to? We need to. And why? Here's the main thing. Why again was their boldness? This boldness is so important. Because look at verse 4. Because Jesus was everything to them. That last verse when it says um, word, that that it, it brings that, that word word twice in here, that's the gospel, that's the good news of Jesus. Jesus was the word. Jesus was being threatened and they were not happy in it. Guys, our world is broken. Do you know one of the fastest ways to evangelize a community is starting a new church? It's the body of believers. It's his plan A. There's no plan B. There's no plan B to reach the world. It's his church. And what the church is all about is Christ, the hope of glory. It's not about how many people we can get in here and how cool we can be. It's not, it's not what we're about here. We're about Jesus. We're about His grace, His mercy, His redemption. We're about seeing people who are jacked up in sin coming to life and liberty in Christ. We're not about taking people down the street from other churches either. We want to be a church that grows through evangelism. But it's not going to come for us not being bold with the gospel. So the word is threatened, they're not having it. And what I'm praying is we're not going to have it. We want people to know Jesus. So as I lay the plane here, I want to because sometimes you can hear a message like this. It's like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Like, oh my gosh, it's the first time you're screaming. First off, scared. Um, and then, does he want me to get a bullhorn and get on top of a coffee shop and say, repent like ah! Or does he want me to go to my neighbor and just start, like, beating him with the Bible? Okay, I gotta be bold. I'm gonna start beating people with the Bible. No. Okay, maybe, maybe God might be calling you to the mission field and maybe, yeah, we'll. we'll Pack your bags and we'll say, yeah, go for it. Maybe God's calling you guys to do some radical to start a Bible study somewhere or something. I don't know. Yes, I'm not going to downplay anything, but sometimes I think we need boldness for beginners. <laughs> right? I do. So here are just things you can chop down your brain. Boldness for beginners. Number one, as we leave here, say something when saying nothing would be easier. And what do I mean by that? Because you know that there's times you're like, you're somewhere and laying at a football game or you're at work and the Spirit nudges you to say, hey, say this verse. Say, hey, can I just pray for you? And the Spirit, right? Right? And you literally have like seconds before you just start saying, oh, what do I think? Before you walk away. So say something. I remember this one time I was on a run and you don't interrupt my runs. Don't you be calling me on a run. And I'm serious. I'm on a run. And I pass this lady. And, and I'm, I'm like a half a mile past her now. And God's just like, you need to turn around. 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 And run back to this lady. I'm like, why? So do it. Do it. Do it. I was like, oh, okay. And so I turn around. I'm like, oh, man. Like, I'm sweating. And I run up to this lady. And I think I freak her out because I'm sweating. And, hey. I don't really know what's going on, but God just told me to turn around and tell you He loves me. And do you need anything? She's just sort of bawling and just crying and weeping. She's like, you have no idea. I'm coming for my work. I have just had the worst day. 
And I'm not saying that to be like, oh yeah, very nice talking about this. No, you know how many times I've ignored that? You know how many times I've ignored those messages? So, say something in the same method you can use it. And then take advantage of every opportunity when they present themselves. I don't know if you know this, but God saves people. You don't save people. And if God saves people, then there is not a random co-worker that you're around. There is not a random moment. Today when you're out around, you're not just around someone randomly. And, and, and if any conversation that God gets brought up or Jesus gets brought up, it is not by chance. It is not by chance. So take advantage. Understanding that God is orchestrating people and places. Like I honestly believe God brought us here to build relationships and do things that he's just moving pieces. And so I'm just excited to see join God, not create God, but join God in what he's already doing. And then maybe create opportunities. What do I mean by that? Yes. You, I hope we, we do this as a church, but we know all of our neighbors. Some of you, that's really hard. It's like my neighbor 15 miles that way, and I never got to get some. But, you know, you, how many of us know our neighbors by, you know, their first name? And maybe making them cookies coming over and just saying, hey, hope you guys have a great day. Here's some cookies, and we just want to bless you. Or, so maybe it's creating opportunities. And then, how about just asking for boldness? And then just say, Lord, just help us. Help us to be bold. And now, as I think the plane, I would ask you as Billy Graham, smile with all love in his heart, said to Jack, have you thought about repenting? Have you thought about repenting? Because you need to. I need to. Because seriously, without the grace and mercy of Jesus, we will perish. We don't have life. We don't have hope. But Ephesians 2 says, But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He loves us, even when we were dead, get that, you were dead in your trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if that's you and you need to turn and repent, I just say go for grace. This is grace working. And guys, when we come in to his presence and understand it is nothing in ourselves but only what Christ has done. We leave those moments bold. We were saved to serve. We were saved to serve. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for what you are doing here. Lord, I thank you for this text. Lord, every time I read it, every time I think about it, Lord, I mean it. I mean, we need your grace. Lord, I do feel cowardly sometimes. And I don't want our church to be defined as timid. I don't want our church to, this is, to, be, to be defined by hosting in our strength. But we want to be resting in your grace, resting in your power, knowing that you're orchestrating, that you're saving people, and that you would use weak people, um, just people like us, for your advancement of your mission. And so, God, help us. Help us to be resting in your grace and to be bold with sharing and loving people well. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we turn to our tithes and offering, I was thinking about um, tithes and offering, and, and really, I, I think it was Tim Keller or someone said, you, you really can't outgive God. You know what I mean? Like, you just can't. Um, it's not, we're not prosperity. It's not saying, oh, give, and you're just big at But, like, he blesses. 
And there's something about when we give, you know, there's something about when we give, it's just like, you know what, it's surrender. Isn't that the gospel? Like, hey, I'm, I'm surrendering. Like, this is, this is using your, in your hands. So, worship you can come on up as I read um, uh, the, the verses here. You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Amen? So again, if it, your heart stirs to give, there's envelopes in the back, um, and everything you need to know about giving online there. So, alright, I would invite you to stand as we respond and keep worshiping through song and
Thank you for joining us at Grace Lakin. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Lakin KS, on YouTube, and at gracelakin.com. Thank you.